Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 12.35 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. I will get to some texts on the Heartland Ford text line. A bunch of you have texts about Ryan McLeod. Some of you have texts about the Oilers' management situation as well. Guests on the show received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff Oilers now sent you. Roos Chris, uh, who has the uh, 99 on 99 event taking place tomorrow night. Uh, and again, check out uh, Roos Chris for more information on that front. Uh, we had uh, Darren Baumgartner on yesterday to tell us a bit about that. Craig Simpson, as we mentioned before we went to break, joins us right now here on Oilers Now. Craig is uh, getting ready. Getting ready for uh, game number. What what game is it? By the way, Craig? <laughs> it'll be it'll be game four. So we've it actually feels like it's been two months. But yeah, it's, uh, game four. Yeah. yeah. So you did the game last night. So uh, we actually the last time we talked to you was before game seven between yeah. the Maple Leafs and uh, and the uh, Boston Bruins. And and Craig, I I've talked to uh, some some sources in Toronto. A couple of them. Anyways, uh, let's let's get to it. Uh, just a quick comment on how that series ended, and if it means anything to Toronto moving forward. Well, I think what it means again is, uh, you know, I go back to mid, I would say February, when the Leafs had a, I think a three or a four point lead on Boston uh, for second place in the division. And granted, Boston went on an 18-game run where they got points. I think they were 15-0-3 during that time. So it's a credit to Boston closing the gap. But the Leafs went on a little downturn. And, you know, what can happen during the course of January, February, March at times is, you know, you've seen a number of good teams dip a little bit and, you know, maybe not think it's that big of a deal. But I said at the time, I just thought it was a – a real critical point for a team like that that was having a good season that basically knew because of what Tampa was doing that they were going to be playing against Boston that let an opportunity slip away to force themselves to be in yet another game seven on the road. And so, you know, you can go to a lot of things that happened in the series. 
to lose game six on home ice in an afternoon game, uh, you know, in front of your crowd to finally get rid of the Bruins was, uh, you know, a bit of a disaster as well. But I go back to that time. You know, it does show a little bit that, you know, as much as the parody everyone's talking about, the regular season does matter at times. And, and I think knowing the history, knowing the competitiveness that they had the year before, I just thought they really let an opportunity. They had a stretch of games where, you know, they were about five games under 500 and allowed the Bruins back to, to take over that home ice advantage. And in the end, it ends up costing them. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Now, there's been a lot of fallout over the last week about Mike Babcock, and, 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 you know, there is another variable in the mix here, and that's Sheldon Keefe and the Toronto yep. Marlies, who are still playing. Obvious connection to Kyle Dubas in Toronto, Craig, as you know. I mean, they were together um, in, uh, in, in the Sioux together, and you just kind of wonder... You know, if somebody was to maybe target Sheldon Keefe as a potential candidate to be an NHL head coach, if that would accelerate the process at some point. Well, that's that's why they went after him and re-signed him to a really healthy American Hockey League contract because they wanted to try to squash that, at least in Sheldon's mind. I I don't think there's, there's any question that there's some discussion or debate about the style of uh, of Dubas versus Mike Babcock. I don't think they're necessarily totally aligned, but that's not that's not a unique situation. When you get hired by a different person and you've got somebody now who is in charge who has different ideas and different thoughts about how things are done, I think you're going to see that. I, I don't think anything's going to happen right now, but uh, I think, as they said last week when you were talking about it you know there's no question the least losing that game and not being able to close out that series puts the beginning of next year at a very different level and i I think it's uh you know the window for some teams are because of age and you know key guys like boston i would say right now the window is closing because of their key players are at an older age uh, and not going to be around at that high level but for Toronto, it's a very different thing. It's it's youth in for the most part, and it's salary cap. So I still think the window is a very short one, and that sort of always accentuates things between the general manager and how he feels the coach uh, is going to handle things. Uh, the coach handling things. Uh, how did you think he handled the deployment of minutes? Because I got the sense, watching this, you were there. But yep. watching it from afar, it seemed to me that when Matthews was on the ice, Boston was in distress. And Because yeah. he can score from anywhere because he can shoot. So well, I just think that if you look at Mike's history, you know, Mike, Mike's been uh, very much about, you know, playing a certain way, likes to have, if not a four-line game, uh, you know, three and a half. He, he uses his role players extensively. I would say if you went back and talked the truth serum to his Detroit Red Wings star players, there's always some frustration of maybe not getting the bulk of the play when the game is on the line. And so all all I would say is, you know, he's done a great job with the team. It's a 100-point team for the last two years. They've been in the playoffs for three straight. He's done his job from, you know, the last place team in the league in his first year to where they are. Uh, All I would say is you know, if I'm Austin Matthews, and, and my point during the game was there was a face-off uh, or a commercial break at 9.56 uh, left in a game that you're down by two. And I go, Matthews was third up on the lines and then third up the next time. So 
two minutes and 25, 30 seconds have gone by, and you've been on once. And I, I always feel that, you know, if you're going to go down in a game seven and go down swinging, the guys who are going to get the criticism are the star players who either don't show up. And, you know, even at the end of the day, he ended up with just under 19 minutes. A minute and a half was with the goalie out in the game, a two-goal game. Yeah. So it's basically done. To me, I just don't understand in that scenario, you know, your lineup, whether it's a matchup scenario. I just think you had to go one, two, one, three, you know, in terms of your line to try to get your top guys the ice time early enough to try to make a difference. That was my only criticism there. But, again, it's it's so much easier uh, sitting and watching from above than knowing exactly what the thought process was on the bench. Well, you know what? When you were part of MACT's staff, with all due respect to the players that you had here and – the guy uh, on a station in town that wanted you to play the top end guy. You didn't. You never had a McDavid. You never had a Dry Settle. You never had uh, a Matthews type player. Like you didn't have guys like that. What you guys? You guys always had really good third and fourth line guys. And you had some guy. You know, a guy like Hemsky was a pretty good player, but he was not of the. With all due respect, Al, Alish, not on the no. level of those other guys. So, so it, it is, and it, and it's also a different. Things have changed even since you, I mean the last ten years, Craig. Since you've gotten out of coaching, last twelve years. So, absolutely. Uh, all right, watching Boston as they move forward. Pasternak and Jake DeBrusque clearly uh, are hurting. Is that a fair assessment? Well, I, yeah. I mean, it's. I know everybody. I, I, I know yeah, every, everybody's hurting. I, know. I I just think that you you go through stretches that you don't know exactly what's going on physically. You know you. You're always going to have something that's ailing. Yeah, just the bottom line is that, you know, the top line, whether Pasternak, when he's played with Bergeron and Marchand, you know, Marchand's got four games without a point. That's the longest he's had all season long. Bergeron's got three without a point. That's the longest he's had all season long. So, you know, it doesn't go very far to realize that you're, you're not going to stay in a series if your top guys aren't producing. So whether it's injury-ridden, you know, even last night, uh, Bergeron only played 17:35, so that tells me even him. You know, if he's going and feeling good and uh, on top of his game, there's another scenario where you know he's going to get out there and get playing a lot more. So I think there's a, a fairness to that, that uh, injuries are, are all a part of it. But uh, to their credit, you know, Columbus is a dangerous team because, you know, they are a team that can score, but they also have good depth. You know, they're defending well, they're checking well, they're out hitting the Bruins their own game, and that can become frustrating in an early part of the series. And that's where game four, you got to figure it out. You got to snap into your game again if you're the Boston Bruins and play game four like it's an absolute must win. Craig Simpson joining us from NHL Hockey on Rogers, lead analyst for Hockey Night in Canada. Craig, Brad Marchand. Um, is that much ado about nothing? What happened? I mean, it's a greasy, well, it's, it's a just, greasy cheap play, but <laughs> yeah, it's a dumb play. I think, you know, I, 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 I dislike those kind of moments when you're doing the game because you force yourself to be, you know, say something bad about a player. I just said it's idiotic. Yeah, you know, given the history that you have and the problems you've had with suspensions or fines or what have you, and you know, that's not a hockey play, has nothing to do about the game, not even in the heat of the moment. And that's where you just stick your head and go, it doesn't make sense. I, we were talking last night, if the league really 
really cared about uh, coming down hard on people and protecting guys and saying that, you know, there's no room for any cheap shots, I'd give them a game suspension. But I think what in the end of the day, you're going to probably have a warning or probably a fine that they'll give them. But I think the end result is those kind of plays, you know, are not the emotion of uh, driving to the net and getting cross-checked five times and now you get into a little interaction. I, I totally understand and get that. That sneaking on the outside, a dead play, a guy down on his knees, and there's there's just no reason for that, and it's a it's a really dumb play. Uh, was there a player when you played that you played against that would do stuff like that that used to just you just shake like would you know? <laughs> I don't know, like uh, uh, well, my own teammate Tiki was kind of like that <laughs> at times. He'd get the shot in when nobody's looking. Uh, I would say. You know, Theo Fleury was a guy that would uh, you'd probably go out of your way to do something like that too, or he'd go out of his way to do. But uh, you know, I I just I said again last night that it is also a different game, as you mentioned before, because you know every player right now understands we've got cameras everywhere. You can't get away with doing anything. Players on the bench now, even when they're talking, put their hands over their mouth so that we can't read what they're even saying to each other. So. You know, if you're a player that understands that, who Brad does, you got to know that anything you're going to do like that is going to be picked up and you're going to be called to the carpet. So, again, that thought process just doesn't make any sense in a in such an important moment like that in, in a big playoff game. Uh, I'm going to put, put you on a spot a bit here, Craig. Uh, you saw William Nylander play. His contract's going to make him enticing to somebody after July 2nd. Should he be a player the Edmonton Oilers look at? Ooh, well, I don't know where you fit him in your salary structure. Is, is well, they would, have really to take, the they would have to take a defenseman back. Yeah, but, I mean, you're looking at, uh, what is he, $7, 8000000 million. Uh, I think he's... I think he's uh, 7.9, I thought it was. Oh, no, uh, I think it might be a little lower, Craig. But I'll, okay, well, you, you discussed, it's, you it's discussed the player. You discussed... <laughs> I, I think he's a guy that, you know, had a very disappointing playoff. And uh, I think he learned a lesson. And I don't know if you listened to Dubas's comments about, you know, not him, that whole salary and contract uh, squabble put him in a situation to not have a good year. I, uh, I, I think it was a disappointing playoff. He, he's a good player. He's not an upper elite, you know, Matthews, Marner type player. Uh, but... You know, I, I think he's somebody that can be a productive 60 to 70 point guy, and uh, I think his contract's a little rich for what he brings uh, on the whole. But uh, he's probably going to be one. And I said about that window closing for Toronto. Uh, you know, he's probably going to be one that, given the salary structures and depending on what happens with Marner, he is probably going to be in play. Um, but I'm not sure at that number. It makes a, a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I, I look at the playoffs right now, Bob, and how many good defensemen, mobile defensemen, are so impactful in the yeah. game. I, I really think if you're looking, uh, you know, it, it's it's something for the Oilers. They need the wingers. They need the guys who can score there. But I, I think you got to be looking at if you're going to be in that six million to seven million range. You know, if you could find a, an offensive defenseman, maybe you've got one coming up in Bouchard. Maybe he can be like a Kale McCarr is playing for uh, Colorado now. But 
uh, I really think that they, they just drive the offense so well, and the impact has really been shown, I think, in this year's playoffs. Yeah, 6.9 was the cap okay. hit, just under $42 million on a, what would that be, a six-year deal. So, uh, and a lot of it's front-loaded and paid up by, yeah, I think 20 of the, whatever, the 40, what would that be, 42? Two million uh, is paid out by January or by July second. Uh, intriguing player, uh, Craig. Just uh, to get a quick rip, I know you've been out of town, uh, but you're not out of state and out of mind when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers hockey team. Uh, the Oilers releasing uh, their season uh, seat campaign yesterday for renewals. Uh, they froze the ticket prices, fifteen uh, percent off on FBO. Uh, and then you've also got a scenario where you've got some other things taking place, visits uh, for practices and yep. uh, that sort of thing. That is the first step. The second step involves the new manager. Is there a specific type of manager that the Edmonton Oilers need, in your opinion? Cool. Well, you know, I, I think we've talked all along that you have to be in the world of uh, draft well, scout well, develop well. And I think they've made strides. As an organization, and I've talked about it uh, for the last couple of years of the importance of spending some money in the American Hockey League and making sure that your team is at a high level there, your coaching is at a high level there, and and they've uh, addressed that, and you can see the fruits of that even uh, with a second-round AHL playoff stint for the Condors. So I think that's first and foremost. I can't tell you how much, again, going through the playoffs, you see the impact of guys who played well in the American League and are coming up and being impactful players. And you need that source of uh, entry-level contract players who can fit in and join in uh, and make an impact. So I, I think there's a step along that way. Uh, you know, scouting is, is incredibly important, both from the amateur scouting to the deals you make in the professional ranks, too. So I, I think that kind of patience and understanding networking is always really important and you know i i know i've been listening to you uh, you know often and everybody talking about the general manager coming in and making changes the the challenge there always is uh, i think any general manager is going to come into this job is going to have in his top of his list you know i i want the ability to do what i need to do and i i think that it's a given that that's going to be the opportunity given to the general manager who eventually signs here. The challenge for that, Bob, is especially if you're getting hired, what are we, in May already? Yep. You know, you don't have the ability to just bring in 10 guys that you know and you trust and you know their value because most of those guys are under contracts with the team that either you were working on. So the notion for a lot of fans is to say, well, GM's going to come in, he's going to fire the entire scouting staff and bring in his own guys. That's not a reality because that general manager now doesn't have those guys available to him. And it does take time. I think you have to have the ability to to put in people you trust, the people that you know the history with. And I think that'll be appointed to somebody who who eventually gets the job. All right, Craig. uh, Look forward to hooking up next week. Who knows? Maybe... Uh, I don't know if it happens that quickly, but maybe we might have ourselves a new general manager in Edmonton by then. Thank you for joining us here in Oilers Now. Sounds good, Bob. Thank you. You bet. That's Craig Simpson. It's 1253 in Edmonton. We'll come back, get to some of your texts on the Heartland Ford text line. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 
1256 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. You can text us at 630-630 on our Heartland Ford text line. Oilers GM has texted the show to say, Bob, remember John Cooper limiting Steven Stamkos' minutes in the finals against Chicago and giving all those minutes to Cedric Paquette. Or pocket. Uh, what is it with the high-quality coaches not depending on the top-end players when it matters the most? Again, you can text us at 630-630. Bob, do you think Jay Woodcroft stays in the organization after the season with Todd McClellan now in Los Angeles? Also, how do you think our goaltender prospects rate? Does Sturette have a shot at making the orders considering how he's played this season from Ron and Lloyd? All right, uh, first on Jay. Um, I think Jay's on the head coaching track now. Uh, I think Todd McClellan will uh, have uh, Marco Sturm on his staff, a veteran NHL coach that was a defenseman, and a young guy. I do not think Woodcroft will end up on that staff. So there you go. And what was the second question that he asked there? Uh, Shane Sturette. Um, yeah, I, you know, he's had a terrific year. I, I'd like to see him do it two years in a row. That's usually a sign. I'd go back to Yaroslav Halak, who was a late-round draft choice that had two really good years in the American Hockey League, and at that point it became obvious, okay, he's a legitimate guy moving forward. So Strett has had a terrific first year. I, I, I'd still want to, when it comes to goaltenders, I want a little bit more... Uh, time to evaluate there. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Brian Lawton from the NHL Network, former NHL GM, when we come back in Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.